0: I, I had so much fun at the ISSN conference. You
1: you know, you seemed like you did. And I really felt like you would just because I know the people there really well, um, usually pretty welcoming and, you know, just, it's, and it's always really pretty cool, right? If you're, I know you, you like to read and keep up with the literature. And so you end up seeing people, right? I know that that's always kind of neat. You're like, holy crap. Like they're, you know, it's like, you're able to talk to Stacey Sims. I think that's, that's probably pretty cool for you so i
0: I literally chased her down and yeah. she was running, and I ran because i I could tell she had kind of had a, her fill. like, yeah, it was like she had a crowd of a hundred people, but she was just it, it came over me because I was like, I she kept coming and going, and I'm like, I just got to get her. And she was really gracious, even though I knew she didn't really have it in her. <laughs> she had a delayed flight, lots of stuff happening. So, yeah, it's great.
1: So back in Maine
0: back in maine for the summer we will hit camden maine at some point here
1: nice Yep.
0: Yeah. really really happy to be back and this kind of concludes the travel it concludes oh. this lifestyle maybe we'll do this maybe we won't i mean the the master's program is 18 months but i could sort of see myself going beyond that when I think about what I want to accomplish, it's like, whoa, 18 months just is fast. And yeah. I'm not the only one with a priority and interest. So, you know, there's a, because I'll be working in his lab, there's like, you know, we have to agree on the project. So I'll do right. my best to pitch the case, but it doesn't feel like a lot of time.
1: Master's degrees go extremely quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. Extremely Especially fast. And you know you get older, and time seems to go by faster anyway. So.
1: yeah I know sadly that's the truth, yeah, well, it'll be cool to have you there. It'll be neat because we'll probably be able to see each other, yeah, in addition to these calls, we'll see you at the conferences um yeah. you know, I don't know if there's ways that that we can um help here with projects and uh, you know, Bill and I are such good friends, so there's a number of things we could do
0: he's so. he's great I mean it it was like. Like, just like you said, it was kind of like I'd always known him. He was, he just, you know, he's, he's got that way about him, you know, and it's nice to be in a similar demographic to you guys Mm -hmm. too. We have similar interests, I think, in terms of, you know, what we're interested in even studying at this point.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, you really do. Um, So I think that part, I think he's probably, he's probably more interested into physique even than I think that maybe even what you are. Maybe not. I think
0: you're right. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, I mean, very...
1: not, not that you're not into physique, but he's just, you know, he's tenured and promoted and, and I mean, he's going to be there as long as he wants yeah. to be there. So right. the nice thing about that for him is in that, that just allows him to say, you know what, I really like physique. And I really, it's an area that I've always wanted to do. And and that's what I'm going to focus upon and and he'll be able to focus upon it.
0: And to some extent, for me, it feels like the difference between physique enhancement and the general population fat loss isn't that big. It's mostly how you think about it and talk about it. You know, that's that's how it feels to me. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of women I work with in their heads want that physique enhancement, but from a reality perspective in terms of what you can sustain, were a little more kind of general lifestyle, fitness and health, you know what I mean? So when a a woman comes to me and says, I want like really muscular arms, well now we're moving in away from just general fitness a few times a week, going to Orange Theory, getting your body composition right. Now we're moving into physique Mm -hmm. and it's not easy and it takes a long time. (laughs) And the gains are like this big, you know, and like we've said, if you have a pancake butt and you were born that way, you're not going to get a big peach like it just you might get Mm. a little mound. But that those things are a little bit misrepresented out there in social media, too, I think. Um,
1: Agreed. And, 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 And I think the unfortunate problem with the misrepresentation, whether it's purposeful or not is you know people emotionally get i they get attached to if i do a b and c if i do the work i'm going to achieve the goal and in some respects how long it takes how much you can actually progress towards the goal versus how much you think you can progress towards the goal all of those types of things i think many times aren't fully communicated then it becomes a lot more I think emotionally challenging, because it's just like, oh, man, if I got to do all this work, if I got to go through all this stuff for only this little bit, I don't know. I don't know if that's worth it. I was really thinking not that in a year, you know, my you know, my butt was going to go from this to this, you know, or my arms were going to go from this to this or my stomach and but if it's only going to go from here to here, man, I, I don't, I don't know if this is worth it or not. You know,
0: do you deal with that in your lab? Do you hear that? Like who comes in your, who's doing studies? Are you, are you hearing those types of things? Or is that just like an an obvious intuitive thing that you've picked up over the years? Cause I, I mean, I hear it. I work with it daily. That is the battle I'm fighting. Uh, I messaged a client today in the app, just through the app and told her we're on a three to five year journey to get her what she wants. And I'm sure that was like, what? And she's just started lifting weights. And to me, that's like, that's right. That's right. You know, just looking at her physique and knowing what she wants. And maybe even then we can't get it. I don't have a crystal ball.
1: I don't really have a lot of conversations about that type of stuff in my lab. You know, most of the students and things that we do in the lab are various health outcomes and performance outcomes. We'll look at some body composition related changes, but the people that you recruit into the lab will largely dictate the conversations that, that happen. I mean, I've got former athletes. There's a lady there who's might be about a year or two older than yourself, you know. So she's got kids in high school, and she's a she's a swimmer. And you know, like it, you know, we we just we don't have a whole lot of physique athletes. We don't have any physique related studies, so we don't really jump into into that type of stuff. I think as much. I I think I picked up on it at my heart of hearts. Like I'm I'm interested in physique. You, you know, I, so I think I've always somewhat kind of paid attention to it. And then I think a lot of times, just conversations with friends, hearing all the things that people want in terms, and these are just your friends, you know, you have a lot of conversations that way. And certainly being engaged with the people at first form has helped along those lines too. Uh, you get into that building and you get, you know, you get a, a good healthy dose of that every single time.
0: Yeah. I've had a client say she expected, like really toned arms within 2 weeks of starting an arm and she'd never lifted weights before. So right. that was a that was a light bulb moment and I think um you know I'm always trying to get in there in the kind of psyche to help people get over that and just do the work. Right. 2 weeks yeah. though. That that's interesting. Um so if I kind of go with that, you know, we need we have some work to do in terms of setting expectations. So today, go ahead.
1: Well, and and I don't, and I know we've got a, we've got a truncated timeline. So, but, and that's fine. But, you know, Kendra, I don't think when you say we've got some work to do, I don't, I don't think social media and how it, how it presents itself will ever allow us to get in front of that.
0: Okay. That's fair.
1: I mean, you know, you just, I'm not saying that I'm being a quitter, right? It's just that more of, you know, if you've got five, billion microphones out there and you've got your two or three you know and there's there's no shortage of people that are whatever 19 20 21 years old who have great genetics and they're 19 20 years old and don't have a care in the world and you know and they look great and and then they've got a platform you know like that type of stuff is it's just going to be very hard but i will i'll make an i'll strongly feel though that the people you know, like with the success that you've had and how you've gone about doing it, you're not going to have any shortage of of, of women who want to be around you and want to and want to connect with you, because of the reality of it. You know, because see, they you know they've lived through the 20 years of of I want to get great arms in two weeks. You know what I mean? So you give them yes, it might be a dose of reality, and they're like, "Crap, that's a really really long time," but you know, if you're going to be there right next with them, and there's going to be a whole group of people who's going to cheer them along. That's something they've never probably never had before yeah. either.
0: And and it feels right at our age. I've said that before, like, once you get to our age, and you start hearing the truth, you're kind of like, yeah, I know, you know, <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's like, yep, that's, um, it's nice to finally hear it.
1: Yeah. That's it, what it, really, felt like. <laughs> it, it really is fascinating to me, with person like in my position, I and maybe it's part of my personality, but like, the better through my 30s you know i was always very reticent about being getting confrontational with somebody about you're just like you're wrong like you just don't know the literature you're just flat out wrong i just more of take the more respectful approach and you know not just kind of be that guy and then i don't know you know just but literally if something happens you know and, and it's a combination right of of i think hearing enough bs for the longest period of time Getting to a point where you know you're like, look, like I live in this space. I'm surrounded by other people who live in this space at a very high scientific level. And, you know, and it's like, I'm not gonna sit here and sound like an arrogant ass, but we know our stuff, you know, and we know all the levels of the nuance. So you just need to just be quiet, you don't know what you're talking about, and let's move on. And you know, so that type so we I have gotten a lot more direct on yeah, this yeah. is, this is what, and yeah. and what, what's, what's amazing is that more often than not, that's exactly what people want. Yeah. So anyway, let's get going.
0: Yeah, no, I've, I've had people say that too. It's not, it's not like, oh, follow this, no BS creator. It's just like there in this, in this world there, I think there is right and wrong, you know, and, and the sooner you can give that to somebody, the, the greater the relief. So this is going to be one of those that is probably going to be a little nuanced and we'll do our best to kind of break it down. I think we've, we've, again, we've done this before, but I'm mean, the real life scenario is me out here as a coach for people listening and watching, by the way, welcome to the strong life podcast. We're recording today with Dr. Chad Kirksick. You can see all of his information, how to follow him on Instagram, where he is well, never available to well, any-
1: kind of, kind <laughs> of, I mean,
0: Oh, bro. Let me tell you how bad I want to shut my social media down every day. Uh, it's just, it's like a, it's like a, once it starts, you said this before, I think when you open that can of worms, it's hard to roll back. Yeah. Especially yeah. if your career is tied to it. Um, yeah,
1: I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to get on the other side of it. I'm just I'm going to keep doing what I do and keep providing the information that I provide. And, and, um, you
0: know, it, it becomes this strange thing. I mean, if I could just do podcast, this, I have an app I'm launching to get some of my workouts in there, which I'm excited about. And the other thing, before we get into the topic about the ISSN conference was like being actually around real people. (laughs) I was like, wow, I was so happy. Uh-huh. I'm So happy.
1: Yeah, you yeah. can, you can laugh with them. And, and I know, and
0: imagine. That. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna present to you a case. Go for it. Okay. And we're gonna break this down. Because I think this a lot of people will see themselves in this. So I, I come to me, I have a fat loss goal. I'm uh, 40 pounds overweight, 50 pounds overweight. I want to lose weight. And so I start on a fat loss phase. We've got everything kind of like, I sort of think of it like a lab. Okay, here's your fat loss phase. These are your macros in a slight caloric deficit, protein about one gram per pound of your goal or ideal body weight, we think we have uh, we have some cardiovascular exercise, we have some resistance training, we're working on mindset, and we're already thinking about how I'm gonna maintain this lifestyle. Somewhere in there, uh, she gets 20 pounds down, and then she says, oh man, I'm feeling so good. I wanna run a marathon. Okay, but Kendra, I wanna run this marathon, but I still wanna lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. So now <laughs> I always think we're getting a little greedy here. Okay, now now we have to, this is where it gets complex for people. And this is where it gets hard as a coach to help people understand the, the difficulty with those competing goals. But number one, I love the marathon goal. In fact, I would, give, I would give somebody the marathon goal over chasing those 20 pounds any day. But what we're talking about is two different goals. The first goal of fat loss, let's say that's a physique goal. That's a, that's a health goal. That's a, uh, a transformation goal. When you decide you're gonna run a marathon, now you have a performance goal. And these are different. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, you've laid you've laid it out really, really nicely because I think that many, many people, many of these types of 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 individuals, men and women, do not understand, and even if they begin to understand it, I don't think that it takes them a while to fully appreciate the difference between the physique goal and a performance goal. If we look at it from a science physiology perspective the physique goal is about deprivation you know it's about cutting calories it's about emptying the fuel tank so the body burns up some fuel but whereas a performance goal a lot of times demands an optimal fuel supply there's just these these just competing Scenarios, But if we start to try to get into this and break it down nutritionally, because I think what I what I don't want to do during this conversation is to leave any of those individuals with the thought of, "I can't nor should I do this." It, I, I think because again, I'm with you.
0: You mean um, do the marathon? Like, you, oh, oh, I wouldn't want to do the marathon and stop my fat loss goal.
1: Well, I, correct. I, I mean, I guess really what I would want is I want to I want to I want to try to guide this conversation to where people walk away with an understanding of if they truly do make the decision to continue on their fat loss journey and do a marathon that will give them just as much insight and context as we can for them to do it as well and as healthy as possible. But do but then I but I think the part of it that they they under, you know, so I think you start we can start saying some very direct things and I would say, OK, well, if you're going to you know, if you're going to keep driving on weight loss and build, trying to build muscle and losing fat, you know, then you need to realize that like your long runs, you know, because marathons, 26 miles, four hours is honestly a really, really good time for a a beginning recreational marathon or many, many people will come in four to six hours during their first first marathon per se, right? There's just huge differences. You know, you, you like, you know, you, you go to the gym and work out outside of the marathon training and you're at the gym for 40 to 60 minutes, right? Well, as you're training towards this marathon, and if you follow a traditional marathon training program, you have a long run a day or a long, long run, you know, per week, you know, you get up to where you're running for an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes, an hour and thirty minutes, an hour and forty-five minutes, two hours, two and a half, three, three and a half. So just look at the obvious difference, you know, in the amount of time. So and all of that takes its toll on on the body in terms of fuel. We can get into a number, you know. So I think what I would tell somebody is you have to understand that if you're going to stick to that fat loss goal, and you're going to try and do a marathon that if you really truly are depriving yourself and keeping your calories very very low day in and day out those long runs those those high volume wor- workout sessions are going to they're going to be a lot harder than what they need to be because you don't have fuel so they're just going to feel extremely hard they're they're hard anyway right but they're just going to feel harder because you just you're forcing your body to do something and it just doesn't have optimal fuel
0: tanks, you know, so, so let's, let's say I have 20 extra pounds, though, of body fat, which we can't get off every ounce of body fat. Some people are like, I want to get it all off. I'm like, well, you need it. Okay, so right. stop trying to get off every ounce of body fat. So let's say it's it's 20 pounds, though, We we could kind of estimate, like, just at this point, I can look at somebody and kind of throw throw some numbers out there, but we're only doing this for the purposes of this discussion. So what happens if I have that excess body fat, right? Like an excess. It it is not necessary. It's excess. And I'm running 20 miles or I'm running doing a training run. Why do I need fuel beyond the body fat that I have? Because in a lot of these women's mind, well I'll just burn through if I don't eat. I'll just burn through all that extra fat because I'm doing three hours of cardio a day. That makes sense to them. Why right. is that flawed?
1: Well, because there's just, I mean, your, know, your bot, your body fights back. I mean, your body yeah. fights oh, back yeah. in a, in a, in a lot of different types of ways when you push it in terms of energy deprivation and then, and then expending a bunch of energy on top of it. So your your body will fight back by, you know, primarily it'll first line of defense will likely be, you know, through this, you know, fairly progressive change within different hormones being released throughout your body, and whether it's, you know, I mean, testosterone levels, estrogen levels, uh, thyroid hormone levels, leptin levels, all of these things, right, are going to interact with how your body is regulating how much energy is being burned and see all that type of stuff will be happening the other 22 hours of the day. You know, if you go on a two hour run and you burn a thousand calories, right. It's easy to look at that, but like, wow, that's, that's, that's two and a half times the if amount of calories.
0: The, yeah. Right. Two and two and half, half, two and, right.
1: It's two and a half times the amount of calories yeah. that I burn on my typical workout. Like that's great. And, you know, so, but the, but the, the thing is, is when we push ourselves, like starvation and low and and low states of energy is a stressor it's it's a stressor to the body so the body will begin to activate various stress mitigating mechanisms to help reduce the level of threat from the stress you know so the hormone changes will work it'll it'll change your behaviors it'll change your appetite it'll change it, it, it'll it'll change how you recover all of these other types of things, you know. So that's why that very simple, linear A to B thought process of if I just run more and run a lot more, I'm, you know, and I have this extra food, extra extra energy, you know, that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lose weight, you know. So it's 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 really challenging because I think really what happens is is you know we we end up compensating in our diet. Uh, and through our behaviors in, in, in many, many more ways than, than really what we can even realize, you know, now don't get me wrong. You usually do kind of create some level of an energy deficit long-term through, through marathon training. That's why the logic makes sense. But again, I think the biggest thing is you have to realize that the body's just, it's going to fight back.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, If you think about the, uh, you know, I, I keep saying this. The bodybuilding show was the best thing I did because I took that extreme. Your in cardiovascular exercise increases tremendously, your caloric intake decreases, you get leaner, but you also take a hit uh from energy, health, hormones. And most people would never be able to sustain that through a marathon. It's like, it's like, uh, imagine, like, if you look at how lean I got, I wouldn't have been able to do a marathon, but that's sort of, I think the logic where people think, well, gosh, if like, even me, right, her cardio went way up, that's makes sense. Keep the food low, get lean. But if you look at what happened to my physical body, this is not a performance I could not also perform. I think that's what we're saying here too, is the body will compensate by trying to shut you down. It's trying to stop you from, it's trying to save you from yourself. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And for me, I just kept kept in a deficit because I had a stage to get on. But most women will try to deficit, 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 and then just overeat. And- (laughs) and now I've, I've seen more women gain weight through marathon training than I ever have lose weight through marathon training. It's, yeah. it's just too difficult to manage. It's too hard for people to manage long-term.
1: Right. Stay,
0: well, yeah. Go ahead. You know,
1: cause well, and, you know, cause again, I think the thing that we always, that people need to realize in that scenario is, you know, like So many times with, you know, exercise and training and different, you know, like we we focus and just think about the time spent exercising, you know, and, and, uh, you know, but there's, it's the other 22 hours in the day, the other 23 hours in the day with, you know, how you manage and mitigate all of the challenges and stressors and how that interfaces with what you eat and drink and how well you sleep. And 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 everything else, which which really determines where you end up on your your body's path of being able to respond and adjust and adapt and so forth. And the longer that that goes, the longer that you're trying to do high volumes, higher volumes of exercise, and you know, kind of counter that with restrictive diets the the longer that stress persists and the more, you know, kind of the more, the just the more and more your body will relatively kind of fight back the long and the short of it. Like I would, I, I, I love the idea of somebody in that scenario of their lives where they've lost some weight, they have some weight to lose. They're, they're doing a lot of things right. They're on a good path. Their, their, their body's able to do things that they never thought that they could do. So now they start thinking about a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon and everything else. And I think that mindset is is excellent and and we need to promote it. I think it's one of the positive things that come from it. But I guess I would always try to tell people, don't do the marathon to lose weight.
0: Exactly, exactly. Just
1: don't do the marathon to lose weight. Do the marathon to tell your mind and body Something that you you just 10 years ago, you never thought would have would have evenly remotely been possible to prove to yourself that you can do hard things. That's why you do the marathon. You do it for those reasons, you know, and then that that mindset, those wins. You know, that's what sets you up for the other hard parts of your life uh, to be able to overcome those types of things, whether it's a work project or something with family or or you know anything else right i mean that's i think that's one of the beauties of exercise and 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 having a physical goal is you go through the process you go through the steps and you achieve it and then that that carries over into your psyche and your mental your mental approach to to everything so I think that would really be my biggest message would just be do the marathon do the half marathon do the sprint triathlon whatever the heck it is but just don't do it as a mechanism to lose weight you know, because you're probably going to end up a little bit disappointed in the weight loss efforts, because of all of the the ways that your body's going to fight back from it. And then if you're really countering that with a relatively restrictive lifestyle, man, though, though, that training for that is it's just going to be harder, because you're not supplying your body with with the fuel that it would otherwise uh, do better on, you know, so I think my mindset like in those situations, you know, like I said, I would encourage people to actually to, to fuel quite a bit for the for the workouts. So the workouts, you know, so you've got fuel. So you feel better all the way throughout it. So you have so you kind of have a, a positive mindset. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, a, you know, a, a 90 minute run is a 90 minute run. Like I don't like to run. So it's going to suck. It's not going to be good you know, but you can make that experience better by being properly fueled, by making sure that you have enough fluid in your body, but, you know, be, being sure that you're hydrated and different things along those lines. And then when it's time to recover, you give your body the nutrients that it needs to recover. You know, so that's kind of where my mindset would go is if you're day-to-day, week-to-week, you're ultimately on a weight loss journey, you can you can continue on that that weight loss path. And you have to understand though, that if you want to start training for a 10K or a half marathon. I would I would argue you really need to to fuel leading up to those workouts, you know, and and throughout that workout, you know, to make sure that you're giving your body enough fuel so you really, really don't drive yourself into deep as deep of a deficit uh because that's gonna help offset the hormonal changes and the stress responses that your body's gonna that you're gonna your body's gonna be dealing with six hours after the run, 12 hours after the run, 24 hours after the run. 48 hours after the run and so forth, you know, and and I mean, we can talk more about how that even looks if somebody really would want to know, you know, how, how to go about fueling for those types of sessions so I don't know what you think about that.
0: Yeah, so let's say, we have, from my perspective, if I have somebody who's in this situation. We maybe have a macro recommendation for fat loss, and we've been cruising along. We've got a few days of resistance training, which we're going to try to maintain at least two during a marathon training program, and that they have a full understanding that this isn't the time to be slashing calories. Now, you tell me you want to move into a marathon situation, and we're going to bring up your energy macros, most likely, and we're going to work on fueling around your workout. I think for some women psychologically, that even feels better to them. Like, oh, okay, good. You know, I'm not telling somebody to go eat a big bowl of pasta and a bagel at night. I'm saying around that workout before, potentially during, depending on how long and after let's get the bulk of your carbohydrates for the day. And then, you know, perhaps you'll taper a little bit so that we're not, we don't need you to gain a bunch of weight either. Like that, that would never be my goal for anybody. I'm not trying to get people, you know, to gain body fat, but we're trying to find a good sweet spot for somebody. So let's take the same person still lost 20 pounds, still has about 20 pounds to go. How do I fuel for my runs, knowing I've got a midweek long run, probably six to eight miles, and then I'm going to have some shorter runs. And I'm going to have a long ass run on the weekend.
1: Well, so I, I think, you know, everything that you started to outline in terms of, you know, bowls of oatmeal and bagels and, and, you know, so I think the mindset really needs to be, is it leading up to whether it's a workout or a competition leading up to it? If it is something that you want to be able to perform your best at, on that given day, you want to be able to, so you have the mental intent that you want to try to do as best as you can, then that means that you're going to choose to cycle harder, run harder, swim harder, whatever you're doing, then just if you want to finish it. Okay. The reason why I lay it out that way is that anytime that we we're going to choose to select a higher intensity or try to achieve a higher intensity, we are going to burn more carbohydrates. I'll say that again, irrespective of whatever type of exercise you're doing, if you choose to make it harder and longer, you're going to burn more carbohydrates. You can't will it to not happen. You can't will it, you can't change it. Okay. That's just how the body functions.
0: I always say, write this down.
1: <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but, 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 but that is, that, that's a key philosophical thing that I fundamentally believe everyone can understand. Everybody knows what their heart is. So whatever your easy is, whatever your moderate is, whatever your heart is and everything in between, if you, any time that you choose to, to make a workout, More moderate and more hard, you are burning more carbohydrates. All right. Now, the thing is that if we're going to have a performance goal, then we need to make sure that we've got the fuel that we need to perform. And that fuel is carbohydrates. Now, the problem with that is, right, the carbohydrates within the weight loss and physique world. Don't necessarily have a home, you, you know. They're they're kind of well, welcome. Not
0: in a not in a cut.
1: They're yeah yeah. You know, I mean, they're they're welcomed under certain circumstances and with you know. I, I mean, and I think everybody knows what I'm what I'm talking about. That's the fuel source that you know we can. You if you got to really pull some calories out to achieve a physique goal, those are really the ones that are the most expendable in terms of health. So what we run into. Is that now we've got these competing interests? We have a fat loss lifestyle on the left that, under most situations, is going to find itself where we've consumed minimal the minimal amounts of energy to allow us to to have a good functioning life and work towards achieving our goals.
0: Energy, really, calories. Calories.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, calories. There's there's yeah. you know within that lifestyle, right? There's there's if we're really doing it right. We really don't have a whole lot of We don't really don't have a whole lot of extra calories irrespective of where they're coming from, you know, Um, but within a performance related scenario or a high volume training scenario, you need calories like your body's just going to blow through them. And if you don't, it that's where we we, will start these negative cascades of of hormonal changes and energy, energy, energy problems and and, and, you know, and, uh, um and everything else. So we, we, we would refer to that within a sports nutrition context of basically uh, providing fuel for the work that's required. It, it, don't don't, but don't overcomplicate it. Right. It's, 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 so it boils down to if you're going to go on a six mile training run at 10 K, and that's going to take you X amount of time and, you, and you're going to burn three, 400 calories during that workout. And 80% of those calories, 85% of those calories are going to come from carbohydrates. Then it makes sense to make sure that the three, four hours before that have a bigger bowl of cereal, have a, instead of, instead of having no toast, have a slice of toast or have two slices of toast. I mean, have a slice of toast with a piece of fruit, have a bowl of oatmeal, find some ways to get carbohydrates because that your body's going to store that as fuel.
0: You know, in my mind, because I can already tell that this is what people are thinking. If I don't eat around this workout, I will burn more fat. What we're saying here is that no, no, a workout that is performance based, which let's just say, forget what the workout is. Like, I'm going to go to CrossFit and I'm going to crush it for I'm going to go to. Uh, and up my intensity. I'm going to run and I'm going to up my intensity that day. Whatever the case may be, we're, we're using carbohydrates for energy. If I don't fuel, that is where the potential low energy problems come into play that you've talked about. So if I skip all of those things, the oatmeal or the fuel, now I'm putting myself in a situation where I am not just really efficiently burning all that fat for energy. I am what, what, what is happening to my body?
1: So, so the thing is, is that if you decide to avoid carbohydrates and go into these long workouts, these long training runs, these long scenarios. So number one, the quality of your workout is going to be down. You, if you thought it was going to take you an hour and a half to get finished. It's going to take you an hour and 50 minutes and you're going to feel like absolute dog shit. So you have to mentally deal with that. You have to mentally deal with what that's going to do to you. You know, how is that going to leave your psyche in terms of do you want to keep? training?
0: Yeah, you want to keep running. Yeah. You
1: you know, so you have to you have to deal with that mental aspect of do you want to keep doing this? Because golly, this is hard. All right. I mean, consuming carbohydrates during workouts allows you to exercise harder and makes workouts makes workouts feel better. I'm you
0: telling know? you, it's amazing. So
1: it, it's unbelievable. It's I mean, unbelievable. it really
0: unbelievable.
1: So, so there's that. You know, there's just that part of it. Now, that many people maybe not give two shits about it because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything about what 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 the scale says. or what yeah, my so body they're like,
0: says. I don't care. I'll feel like shit. I'm trying That's to lose weight, Doctor Chad. Know,
1: so the other that? okay. So now, if you do that and you drive yourself into this very very low energy state, this low calorie state, you know we've mentioned this before on the call, right? So the body is going to kick off a number of different hormonal cascades. So for example, your cortisol levels are going to be higher after that workout, after that scenario. You know, cortisol is 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 a stress hormone. Cortisol, you know, triggers muscle protein breakdown, it triggers just widespread stress, um, um, inflammatory responses, stress responses, it does a number of things, you know, so that itself is not good. Being in a low energy state, it's, it's going to manipulate, it's going to basically drive up leptin levels. So basically leptin levels trigger uh, how full you feel, how hungry you are, you know, so the body's going to you know, and then so and then we always,
0: meaning if if my leptin is off, I may not get triggered the the feeling of fullness, or is that going to make me feel hungry? For people that don't know,
1: correct, it will lower your satiety. It'll 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 make you feel more hungry. So just naturally, you'll go out and seek more food because you're basically in this low energy state. If you're going to try and maintain that low calorie lifestyle for the physique goals, and then try and do it again and do it again, day after day, You, it, it's this, it's this pathway of your body's really going to start fighting back um, on, on it as these things persist. So if you do have, you know, strong mental fortitude and you, and you, you push through this life for a week, for two weeks, for four weeks and so forth. Now we'll start to see reductions in thyroid hormone levels, yeah. thyroid hormone levels will start to go down yeah. That impacts fat metabolism levels. That impacts just how many calories your body burns throughout the day. That'll also impact just how much spontaneous physical activity you get throughout the day. Spontaneous means you just get up and you want and you want to, you want to move. You want to do something. So what happens when people are overtrained and underfed, right? They literally don't want to do a damn thing else. They don't, so they burn no other calories outside of their workouts. I'm not saying that's necessarily a problem, right? I mean, in some people, if their volumes are that high, it all depends upon the context. But in a lot of lifestyle scenarios, right? We wanna, we wanna burn some calories from our workout, but then we also wanna be physically active. We wanna go for a walk in the morning. We wanna go for a walk with our dog in the afternoon or with a spouse or, or a neighbor or something. You know, we wanna go work out in the yard and pick up some extra calories here and there. And if you're otherwise doing that, you know, and you stop doing it, See, there's that energy balance thing, right? You were burning an extra 200 calories a day before because you were you got more physical activity. Now, with being restrictive in your food and your diet, and you're also trying to, you know, kind of use a marathon session, a training session as a as an additional way to burn a lot more calories to burn even more fat. Now, your body's going to change and manipulate things where you just don't get as much physical activity. So that that's what I mean. There's these. There's so many things that the, that the body will, will, will manipulate you into doing that will help to help to protect protect
0: itself. I mean, it's literally,
1: yes. It's it's, it's essentially to protect yourself.
0: Right. It's like this crazy woman is, I don't know what she's doing, but she's not making good decisions. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to kick myself into overdrive to help her save her from herself. I mean, right. uh, and I like what you said too, is a lot of people think they've plateaued when really they just stopped moving. You know, like that's, yeah, you, that's it's so true for us to be objective about our own behavior. I think sometimes, you know, it's like I'm doing all the same things. Well, not really, you right. know, in this case.
1: Yeah. So, okay. I,
0: so go ahead.
1: The only thing I was going to add onto the back of that is people need to just real, Process what we just talked about over the last two to three minutes and then realize that you're talking about doing this to yourself over the course of months. People don't just train for a marathon in a month, you know, like they'll, they'll have several month long training programs. They'll have, you know, if it's, you know, so, so if you're going to, if you're going to create this negative pattern of being restrictive day to day, because you have a fat loss goal and then you want to train, you want to, accelerate that fat loss by doing some training for an endurance event. And then, you know, and and you're going to try to allow yourself the, the time needed to, to get your endurance base built up so your body doesn't break down so you can actually finish that half marathon or marathon. You know, you're talking about stretching this out for several weeks upon weeks. And that's just where where things can if you're really off balance, I mean, your, your body, you're, you you can, you can, you know, you people can, can get their body knocked off track and it'll affect you physically and mentally. And, and, you know, and then you, you kind of have to, I guess, deal with those types of things too. So
0: I also want to mention, you mentioned the muscle protein breakdown under these low energy, uh, diets, when you have high demand for people listening Uh, muscle protein synthesis would be like a positive thing that we would want to uh, spark and engage in our bodies. And so if you look at muscle protein synthesis as the, the, the best case scenario for us, muscle protein breakdown would be the total and complete devastating opposite of what it is that you've come here to work for.
1: Right. And I, and I think you're, you're exactly right, Kendra. And and I'll add on to that, you know, right. We've talked before, right. When we talk about weight loss, we're not talking about weight loss. We're talking about fat loss. loss.
0: We're talking about
1: holding on to all the muscle that we got If we can build a little bit. That's, that's just gravy on top of the whole scenario, but minimally we hold on to our muscle and we, we shed as much fat as possible. We don't want to lose bone. We don't want to lose muscle. We don't want to lose anything else. So when we talk about weight loss, we're talking about fat loss and to do that, to best achieve fat loss, right? We've covered this in the sense that you have to maintain, um, enough protein intake, protein intakes, you know, one gram per pound is where we commonly talk about 1.6 to two, you know, 0.8 to one gram per pound. If you end up somewhere within that realm, you're going to be just fine. But that's where like adding, you know, having resistance training workouts, is has been shown to be very, very important to help maintain muscle tissue. Okay, well, let me ask people if you've been dieting throughout the day, all right, you've been restrictive on your day and you're doing, you know, three, four, you know, you're doing a three mile run on Tuesday and a four mile run on Thursday, and then a progressive long run on Saturdays where that goes from five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 13, 14, 15, 16 miles each week. And then all of your other runs are progressing upward. Okay. When and where do you think you want to resistance train within that? Right. It's really, it's hard. Like you just don't want your beat up, you're tired, you know? So that's what a lot of times endurance athletes don't resistance train. So now not doing that, now we've pivoted away from our physical, because now we're going to be losing, we're going to be losing our muscle tissue, our physique. Uh, so we're losing the wrong tissue. So that's another kind of a, you know, scenario that, that, you know, that we deal with. And then also the, the, the third part of, you know, maximizing fat loss is, is, you know, achieving a deficit. And we don't really probably don't need to worry about that one so much because of all the other exercise that's happening. Now, I want to get into what you mentioned with protein synthesis and breakdown. Okay. So what do people think is going to happen to rates of muscle protein breakdown? If you don't have enough energy, your body can use protein for energy. It can use it for energy. Okay. It doesn't like to, and we really need to avoid it, but it can. So what do you think happens to the rates of protein breakdown if we're relatively restricted in our food intake, meaning we are not getting enough, enough, enough calories in excess to calories, let's say, and then we start doing 45 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hour long runs, all right, rates of protein breakdown go up they rise they go up and that's the exact negative or the exact opposite right. response that we want to achieve you know so now that goal or that that process of getting into using these these running sessions as a way to burn more calories and to accelerate fat loss has so many negative consequences you know so just looking at you know basically the rate you know the rates of you know protein metabolism and again where protein breakdown rates are absolutely going to rise throughout the workout and then even after that workout because the body as soon as you get done it's still going to be uh you know turning over muscle protein and basically you know repairing and rebuilding all those tissues and it's gonna it's gonna use up protein to do that so how do we overcome that how do we offset that that's where if you provide enough calories, all right, or if you provide carbohydrates that fuel for the work required leading up to those workouts, you deliver some carbohydrates early, like before the workout and during, that has actually been shown to help reduce the extent to which muscle protein breakdown rates increase. So you can help prevent that change. And that's a positive okay.
0: thing. You okay. Know. So that, this is a perfect segue into, okay, we talked about the breakdown and what happens if we don't fuel. We're gonna talk about best fuel and how we would achieve a goal of running a marathon, obviously putting our fat loss phase on hold because now we're performing, which is fine. And we think we should do this. Like, this is a great goal. But I have one thing I wanna mention and I I want to ask you, this is the case of a marathon, okay? This is not everybody. What about somebody in a low energy state who's even trying to do things like CrossFit and spin class and Orange Theory? And I, I always, my whole thing is to fuel around your workouts, and fat loss comes from total caloric deficit. So for people who are like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I don't do marathons.
1: Yep. Yeah, good point. Good point. So I on that on that perspective, there's a couple of things to say. So one of the things that CrossFit, high intensity intervals, those types of workouts.
0: Even an hour-long boot camp class. Right,
1: correct. Many times those workouts have brief, sometimes extended periods of relatively high intensity you know that where it's it's heavy and hard that's a good thing in terms of really really stimulating that muscle to have to hang around there's a pretty big difference between just going on a run at a at a kind of a moderate pace and going through some type of a multimodal you know you know um uh high intensity of exercise so that's that's kind of a that's kind of a positive in that, in that sense now that certainly but, but all of the same things relatively still apply. All right. Because energy is energy. And if you're, you know, if we're really trying to follow a fat loss program to optimize our physique, right, then we want to hold on to as much muscle as we can. We want to shed as much fat as possible. And to do that, we need Good high-quality muscle contractions, which we can get through resistance training and, and and certainly you know different forms of higher intensity exercise, you know can accomplish that. But if you're in a deficit, you're in a deficit. Following uh, their their daily diet intended to achieve a relative caloric deficit, and then they're still wanting to go into their CrossFit workouts and not fuel that workout. Again, that workout's they're going to be slower. It's going to be harder. And then also too, rates of muscle protein breakdown are also going to be elevated. It really doesn't matter. There's a, there's a really, really fascinating study that was done in the, the early 1980s. It showed very, very clearly that when people are glycogen depleted or carbohydrate depleted, their rates of muscle protein breakdown skyrocket after like 30 minutes of exercise. Write
0: that down.
1: Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Right. What the workout, and that—that's where we live in that that space. Like, you, there's really not that much of a difference in terms of how the body responds from a from a getting fuel to where the body needs fuel. Whether it's a CrossFit workout, whether it's a burn workout, or an Orange Theory workout, or F45, or a cycling workout, or a run, or yeah. a swim, it the body. It really responds relatively similarly, not saying identically, but relatively similarly.
0: Um we could say, we could say in general, uh, you know, we we talked about a long performance goal, which is running a marathon, I think is is different, or a triathlon, or you know, like, like some especially relative to the person who is maybe untrained. Those would be big events. But we can sort of say, generally speaking, no matter your workout, going into it deep in a deficit without fuel before, during, or after, there's no benefit. There's no benefit to fat loss by doing that. There's only potential harm. I, I agree. Mean, I think you can just I mean, say that.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, I agree. Your body will fight back on so many, and I keep saying that, but your body will fight back on so many levels where, where something usually is going to break down. You know, whether it's your your own psyche, your, your desire to train, your willingness to get up and do it, or your body. Tissues, tendinitis, aches and pains... All of those are signs of basically kind of a, you know, like a, I mean, a mismatch of exercise volume against kind of a number of other factors. So there's, yeah, there's really very, very little benefit that will come from it. And really a lot of relative heartache. I would strongly encourage the person that's, that's thinking about doing some type of an endurance event for the first time. You know, if it's truly for the first time and you've been on a weight loss journey Do it just simply to prove to yourself that you can do it. And and when you get done, reward yourself for doing something that 5, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, there's just no way you would have even remotely thought that that was possible. And realize that your your mind and what you think you can do has has new boundaries. And then use that realization and, and let that motivate you on your next path. Uh, And if it, if the next goal then is to go from a 5k to a 10k, that's great, but just don't do it to lose more weight. Do it just as part of your, your overall goal and path towards just becoming a better version of yourself and that, and leave it at that because it's a, it's just a really, really risky proposition to, to try to, be relatively restricted and then try and do some physical feats it, it's you yeah. know you might be able to do it a few times but, yeah. but things are gonna get pretty tough
0: i see it over and over again I, this is where i think in this discussion it's good you you really do have to choose the the goal and then we need to kind of match your energy intake to be able to uh support that goal and those and think- and they, yeah they are different
1: I think, you know, if people don't really, you know, a lot of times people get, they don't like the fact that they got to choose. Okay. So, so what I would tell them then is, you know, your, your health and weight loss goal needs to be priority. I mean, it just, you know, if we're, if we're talking about the the, that, that type of scenario, you've still, you know, you still got some weight to lose and you've had some success. You need, you need to stay that course. That still needs to be your priority. So, but again, we're looking at it like, you know, well, we got 24 hours in the day, and we're going to sleep seven, eight hours a day, and we're going to work or, or whatever. You know, but if and you want to start doing so that your 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 weight loss goal needs to dominate your decisions throughout the better part of your waking day. But if you get to a point where you know you would really like to be able, you run a 5K and it takes you 30 minutes, and you say, you know what, I can do better. I want to go. I want to break 27. I want to run faster or 25 or whatever it is right you get bit by the bug you know so then leading up to those moments when you decide to do something physical and do it better than you ever than you than you've been able to do it then during those moments prioritize that goal and let right. go of the weight loss goal right you know so right. now the goal to run faster to improve your 5k time to run farther than you've ever run to whatever these types of things need to be Now you have to understand now you need calories. Now you need fluid. Now you need fuel. You need it. You need it. You need it. Then when you get done, then you can pivot back over to your weight loss goal. You know, go, go, you know, go through your traditional recovery steps, right? Make sure you get, you know, um, you know, some good um, um, uh, post-workout nutrition and then start to follow that plan. So you can prioritize that goal, that weight loss goal for, what do you want to say? 70% of 80% of the time that you're awake each day. And then if there's 20 to 30% that you want to <clears throat> be a CrossFit athlete and really try to, you know, do something better, that's fine. But then fuel towards it. Don't carry in those other priorities into this other goal, because it's just going to conflict and make it harder. And it's actually going to be bad. It's going to be It's, good. it's going to create some problems long-term you know, if you really continue to push at it.
0: I love that too, because it's, it does, it, it kind of promotes this idea of falling in love with the process where maybe it'll take you two years to lose 40 pounds, but you ran a 5k, a 10k and a half marathon throughout that journey and just kind of cycled through. Remember fat loss shouldn't be a lifestyle. It's just, it's just a phase in a journey. Like it's a, You have a a healthy lifestyle that's rich and full of the things that, you know, you can do now that you couldn't, you're in a healthy BMI, fat loss, you you have to learn to get, step into it, but also step out of it, you know, I think. So one, we have a couple questions too, because now we need to get to, we know we we have extensively explained the terrible uh, side effects, I would say, of low energy state, high energy output of any kind. How does somebody fuel well? And what are the best types of fuel? Now I am hammer all the time. You know, I'm a fan of the post-workout stack with, and I actually do uh, the post-workout stack, the ignition, uh, you know, high glycemic carbohydrate before and after my workout. Sometimes I'll do it during. Uh, depends on the the training though. If I were going to do a long run, I would have woken up and probably had a nice bowl of oatmeal, like something like hearty, an hour and a half or so before I go run, and then I would still implement the post workout nutrition with forty grams of protein, and then I would have a meal later, like a little bit later. Can you throw out some other like things you've seen, perhaps studies or types of fuel that you would recommend to people?
1: Yeah, I I can. And I think that in general, again, we start to look at some mindset related things, um, you know, so if we're still talking about an individual who across the better part of the waking day is, is restrictive and, and, and trying, trying to achieve fat loss, you know, then, then leading into your workouts, I mean, it, it's, there's no, there's no fanciness about it like it's going to be carbohydrate focused. So it's going to be. So if that makes your skin crawl because of what you've, you know, had to adopt for that fat loss, you you, people got to let go of that. I mean, it is, it is, it is the, you know, there is literally thousands of scientific papers going back to the sixties that show the importance of carbohydrate status for physical performance. Now, how can that look? I mean, if you want to, you know, point, you know, a half a gram to two grams per pound of carbohydrates, two to three hours before a workout would be a great place to start. I, you know, uh, so again, point point 0.5 grams to two grams per pound of carbohydrates two to three hours before. Um
0: per pound then, of your body of your body weight for people yeah, who are. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so if, I, if I have a hundred and uh 40 pounds, maybe yes. I for me, I'd probably, I don't know, that's getting me into the 50, 60 grams of carbohydrates somewhere before my workout.
1: That's per pound, you know. So if you're 140 pounds, 0.5, you'd be at 70, you know, 70 grams. Yep. You know, up to, you know, and then if you were to take it up to one gram, you know, 70 to 140 grams, if you wanted to kind of function on the lower end of that range. And so what I would tell people is so again, like if you're, you know, if you're like, okay, okay, Dr. Chad, I'll, I'll find, I'll, I'll eat some carbs because I, I want to do as good as I can in my workout, but I still don't really like the idea of this. Well, then, then start on the lower end of the range. Okay. And, and come up with a meal that's 0.5 to one gram.
0: Okay. And I got to talk about that. Mm-hmm. This is really a moment for us because for many of my people, and I think this will click for a lot of people if you're in a fat loss phase, we may have your total carbohydrates set at 130, okay? So just think about what we're saying here. This is exactly why you cannot be in a low energy state and perform with a fat loss goal of carbohydrates at 130, 120, 110 in in order for me to one one workout performance carbohydrate intake is going to take up most of my carbohydrates for the day. So now I have to, so even if I go on the lower end, that's still gobbling up quite a bit of carbohydrates. So this is to me like an aha moment. And I don't even know if I'm going to explain it right to people, but I hope you can see that when we say fat loss, this is where we can keep, uh, you know, slow sustained energy output. We need to prioritize resistance training and put those carbohydrates around our workouts so we aren't in a hole. If we move to performance, there's no way we could expect our bodies to do what we want it and still maintain this 0.5 to one gram uh, per pound, because that it doesn't even leave us enough food to be able to be, uh, to be able to perform. Am I making sense to you? Like my people who are set at like 120 carbs right now, at sort of the tail end of a fat loss phase. You can't perform with that. It's just, it's, you're not, it's not the right amount of carbohydrates to perform at the same time and recover well.
1: You're right. I mean, and I don't, you know, know, know that's just
0: real life. Like, I don't know if
1: you're talking to me or your Facebook group right now, but no, I'm just, yeah, (laughs) I I know. I'm like, no,
0: I'm like, do you see, do you see why we wouldn't also add in now a marathon and not change your macros? Like, we're, if you want to do a marathon, we have to change your macros to help you even perform and maintain the muscle, hopefully, that you've been. Working for for the last year, otherwise we're putting you right back in a hole, right back where you started, and you're going to feel like shit on top of it, and you're not going to lose body fat. You're just going to feel like shit and be tired and hungry.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sorry. yeah, but that's okay. But I I think because you know the 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 very unfortunate reality is that when people drive themselves into a very unbalanced state of deficit, you know, that they end up losing more lean tissue, they end up losing bone, they end up losing much more of the tissues that you really, really can't afford to lose. Um, So I think if there's ever any reason, um, you know, why that's important for me, like that's one of the most important aspects of it. Um, You know, when we talk about bone health, You know, we don't, we, I I talk a lot about muscle, but, you know, bone health is, is really, really pretty critical. Um, You know, we gonna try to hold on to that as long as we can, you know, so I I think that, you know, the, um, but, you know, to get back at that, you know, the overall kind of fueling question, you know, like I said, point, you know, the, the scientific literature, if we, if we pulled up a carbohydrate recommendations for, for endurance exercise, they would say two to three hours before work workout one to four grams per kilogram of body mass that roughly translates to 0.5 to two grams per pound of body mass, roughly, you know, so that's, so again, you know, take that. And all these things are record. The, the other thing that I'll, that I'll teach and coach to people is they're, they're called recommendations for a reason. Like they're not, they're not like a law. They're not the Bible. Like it's a recommendation. It's just figure it out in the sense that, you know, so if you're, if that you know, if you do the math on 0.5 to two grams and the higher end of that range, one to two grams per pound, just literally makes you freak out because of the carbohydrate number. And you're convinced that you're going to, you know, you're going to lose everything that you've worked towards, then pick with the lower end of that range, you know, and then what we would tell somebody then is, you know, do some very honest assessments of, well, you know, how did that workout feel? You know, if it was a CrossFit workout, you know, you know, do you, were you using similar weights? Were you able to recover as well? Did, you know, were you, you know, if you're doing, you know, I I mean, you know, like a run or, you know, like a cycling workout again, you know, when, when, when the work got hard or when you, when you, when you ramped up, you know, through some type of an interval program, you know, did, did you feel good or did it feel hard? You know, I'm not saying, did you finish? Cause you can finish, just keep going. But, but like, how did you finish? How did you feel when you finished? You know, that type of stuff is really kind of where the carbohydrate difference can make a difference. And then, then you got to be honest with yourself. And if you were at, you know, 0.5 to one grams, you know, then maybe you go to 0.75 to 1.25 grams and just, you know, just add a little bit of carbohydrates in you'll find the right mix to where, you know, Hey, I felt pretty, that was a really good workout. I I felt really, really pretty good, man. That was a killer workout. I feel awesome. And you know, Hey, the scale's not moving Wait, It's everything's fine. You know? So, uh, because again, Meaning, we don't, I
0: didn't gain a whole bunch of weight. Exactly wow. I right. feel, I feel yeah, good. And
1: you know, you know, cause that, that's yeah, the fear, yeah, yeah. right. That, yeah. that if we're, you know, we're telling somebody to consume, you know, a hundred cal, you know, a hundred grams of carbohydrates or 130 grams of carbohydrates because of this range. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose, or I'm going to you know, lose all the gains or, you know, or, or basically gain everything back you can, you know, you kind of have to self experiment a little bit and figure out where you feel good. You know, there's, I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody, you know, that you need to eat the high end of that range just because it's science. Like, no, that's not how recommendations work, you know, but there might be some people that, you know, that that again, the longer that workout goes, the harder that workout gets, the higher the carbohydrate number needs to be.
0: Let's look at, let's look at uh, Tia Toomey or Mal O'Brien, some of the CrossFit athletes who are muscular, perform and lean, all of the things, right? Like they also, by the way, people train six hours a day and have long histories of athleticism. So people who want those physiques, it's, it's not going to (laughs) happen. Sorry. But, but with them, I know Mal O'Brien went over her macros. She's eating 500 grams of carbohydrates a day. So if you think about, so she's obviously on the higher end for her performance. We don't need to eat 500 grams of carbohydrates a day for us doing one, you know, CrossFit workout at our local gym. But imagine if you took, you know, 40, 50 grams of carbohydrates and pumped those into your system and then did the same thing after for post-workout recovery, uh, you're going to feel you will feel that, especially if you've been going into those workouts in a low energy state, thinking you're going to burn more fat or you don't want to feel fluffy. Also, if you, if we do up your carbohydrates, I'm looking at somebody, we just did that. She feels fluffy now. Some of that is psychological. Obviously you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, but some of it is, yeah. When you introduce more carbohydrates, the scale probably goes up to some extent, doesn't necessarily mean it's body fat, right?
1: Yep. And no. then also,
0: also the the last thing I'll say is put those extra carbs around your workout. It's not so scary. Then you are going to use it. Yes. You're yes. Yes. And yes, use it.
1: Yeah. That, and, 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 and see, that's the, that's probably the number one strategy that I would
0: 1,000%. strongly,
1: strongly yeah. encourage somebody yeah. to do who's really, who wants to be able to perform, who likes who's who wants to be able to get the most out of their workouts, but they've just they're just concerned about yeah. you kind know, of losing some of their physique. I
0: get that. Means. Don't you? Like I Absolutely. totally get that. A yeah. thousand it, percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I think, you know, and I, honestly, Kendra and and people listening, we're 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 going to see even more and more high-level athletes move towards a model that they're they're largely carbohydrate not, I don't like the word restricted, but they, they have a very low to mo- low carbohydrate intake two, three hours outside of their workouts right? Or yeah, or end. but yeah. man, when it gets within that three hour window before it's go time, carbs, carbs, carbs. And when they're training, they're, they're, they're knocking out carbs because that's what their body's burning. So I, I would make the argument that, you know, if you if there's a certain type of carbohydrate that really gives you a lot of emotional pleasure, like it's it's just that then it's I the mean, time
0: to have a donut, give it, right? Give I mean that sucker
1: like... right right around your workout, you know. Oh, I, I mean, be, yeah. because because your body's gonna your I mean your body's gonna be able to handle it, you know, at that period of time. Um, you know, so there's a number of things that people can really kind of work towards that can help make it a lot more manageable you know, um, across the board. So,
0: okay. So, um, we, a lot of people are just like grateful for the detailed, uh, really for the detail around this discussion. Cause I think it is scary for people, especially the ones we've talked about who move from fat loss, low energy, feeling good, feeling lean, feeling light, upping those carbohydrates, put it around that workout um, I have a lot of women whose goal is to build muscle. That's a scary one too. You know, oh, do I have to be in this huge surplus? I think the answer is no, right? We don't need to go into a massive surplus and gain 10 pounds of body fat to gain a pound of muscle.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't, we, I, we, to, to be fair, we know less about how many calories, what, what how many calories is too much. Yeah, you know, okay. We, we, we do know, right, that if we want, that if we want to build more tissue, we need it it costs energy to build more tissue. So we, we need to have enough energy around. So that's where we've we've we we continue to advocate to be in you know somewhat of an of a of a of an energy surplus. But how large that surplus needs to be, we we don't really have good data on. Uh, but what we do know in the sense that it's pretty fascinating, in the sense that if we look at energy deficit. And somebody really, really drives a very massive energy calorie deficit, meaning they've they've really cut their calories back and they're they're exercising a lot. We know that in that scenario, it, it gets the weight that we end up losing, the, the the amount of muscle that we're losing goes up. And it's nearly impossible to prevent. You know, yeah. there's there's we've talked about strategies how to how to minimize that loss, and that's what the goal should be. Pivoting to a surplus is largely the same thing in the sense that the greater and greater the calorie surplus, the you know, the more of the, the more of the tissue that's laid down is fat tissue, which is not necessarily what you want either.
0: You right. Know, yeah. You
1: know, we're building muscle, but you're, you know, you're but you know, j- just like during a deficit where we're losing more and more muscle than what we would like, the greater and greater and greater level of a surplus we have, the more and more fat that we gain. So we're not quite sure where that, where that, um, that, that, that aspect is. And to be honest with you, th- th- I, there's a number of things I could, I could mention, but I won't.
0: Okay. So. so we have, we have three minutes. I have one last question. We talked about the ranges for, for pre-workout nutrition. And also we mentioned, I can't emphasize this enough. These are recommendations. So try not to get too twisted around exacts, just know that you probably need more carbohydrates than you have. I also want to sneak in here. This is one of the reasons why I'm not an advocate for intermittent fasting. Uh, it is, it is, it, because what does it do? It skips this entire uh, f- workout fueling process that we were talking about here. Um, but the question I have is for post-workout, what is your recommendation for uh, I know Dr. Stacy Sims talks about the 30 minute uh, recovery window for women getting in 40 grams, which is so interesting to hear at ISSN, like 20 grams wasn't even enough to stimulate this muscle protein synthesis. Where are we with carbohydrates for post-workout recovery?
1: Yeah. And I don't, um, let me just try to sit here and think. I mean, on the protein side, You know, I, I know that's not what you asked me, but I'm just, I need my, my old mind some time to sit here and think about this. So, you know, like 30 to 40 grams on, on a, on a, on a protein range is probably where I would land for, for the majority of people. If they're, if they're, you know, relatively smaller body mass, then maybe they'll end up, you know, at 25s or 30s or things along those lines, you know Um, but uh, on the, you know, on the, the carbohydrate side, it. Gosh, Kendra, it depends largely upon like how quickly somebody needs to be recovered. Okay. That if they're doing, let's say they're doing two sessions in a day, they're doing a weight session in the morning and an, an endurance session in the evening, or vice versa. You know, and that might be somewhat of an extreme scenario. But but hey, if we have somebody training for a marathon and also trying to get their weight session in, you know, that, that could conceive. So if, if there is a scenario where people need to recover then the carbohydrate intake goes up quite a bit, you know, and you could look at like, you know, like, like zero. I mean,
0: everyone's hanging on your word right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, 0.5 grams per pound um, would, would, would be, would be a a fairly moderate. um, I usually feel pretty good with 30 to
0: 40. I feel good with 30 to 40 immediately and then I get in probably another 30 to 40 in a meal. Like I always do the post-workout just because of my commute. So I've got the carbohydrate and protein. And then I have a, a real meal, like maybe an hour later, just because yeah. it's See, with And I
1: workout. guess for me, like what do you- I'm the post-workout, the priority has got to be protein. I mean, yeah. With, yeah. With, if, you, if you can only get one, you need to get the protein. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, a one-to-one ratio, basically protein and carbs, I think could, could work, could work very, very well for just yeah, kind of the moderate recovery. Simple.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. you know,
1: I mean, um, I, I, you know, cause there again, too, like if we're talking about it, and that's where all the context comes in, because if they're, you know, if we're, if we're literally, if the workout gets done, so the performance, the performance part of my life is over and now i'm i need to recover from that and then i'm immediately going to transition back into physique fat loss type of a goal and priority you know we 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 need to get some carbohydrates post workout um to help trigger some trigger some insulin and drop some cortisol levels and to kind of help those natural things to to go um from a recovery perspective you know but you don't you know if if you're going to um you know, snack or nibble on some carbohydrates, even, even kind of, even throughout, you know, like the next couple hours, you may not even necessarily need to even worry about carbohydrates to be very honest with you, because as long as you're getting enough calories kind of throughout the rest of the day, your body will generally do a decent job of of, getting turned around. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray. I think in general, 25 to 40 grams of protein and carbohydrate post-workout. I think will will service a lot of people's interests from both a health and physical, as well as a performance goal. Then the reality becomes, I would probably be more concerned because I'm more at my heart. I'm more of a performance nutrition person person. So that carbohydrate intake is probably is lower than what we would probably recommend for somebody who's 100% dialed in and focused in on performance. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, But if, but that's usually not who we're talking to in this group. We're usually, we're talking to people that have more of a, of a fat loss interest or physique related interest. So that's where, if we've got to give up some of those carbs post-workout, we certainly can't. They would be much more important to get them before to fuel the workout. You know, again, fuel for the work required. Once the work's complete, then the need for the fuel goes down. That doesn't decrease, but it goes down. Fuel for the work required.
0: So I'm going to summarize and we're going to, so I can get on to the next call and I'm sorry, I could talk for, you know, an hour. And then you tell me if we got this right and what we might've missed that you would want people to know. So the first thing I sort of have here is we've got this concept where a low energy intake around workouts or fasting even around like a hard workout or a performance goal is getting you the opposite effect of what you might think in the form of probably the biggest issue being muscle protein breakdown and other issues like increase cortisol, eventually impacting thyroid, which impacts fat metabolism and generally impacting hormones that we need to be healthy and work in our favor, not drive them into the ground and work against us, which is what happens when we go into performance goals without fuel. Is that fair? Yep. Yeah. Okay. We are saying that we think for fueling for a workout, 0.5 0.5 would be on the low end of carbohydrates, one to even four grams of carbohydrates would be a really optimal. But we know that this is a range and a recommendation. We've already talked about that, but that would be something you want to look for two to three hours before a performance goal.
1: Let me stop you just so we know. So we're looking at 0.5 grams per pound. Yes. To around two grams per pound.
0: Okay. Two grams per pound. Yes. Sorry.
1: You know all those grams, the the scientific you you were right. The scientific recommendation is four grams per kilogram. So
0: always, thank you. We okay. always
1: try to convert so 0.5 to two, two grams pound per
0: pound of kilo. your body weight or of your lean body mass, because yep. those are different. Which one? Yep.
1: Um, I mean, if people know their lean mass, I would probably lean towards using that.
0: Okay, which um, is gonna be less by the way. So if you have yeah. 50 pounds to lose, just to make it easy go to your lean body mass would be the, your weight minus the 50 pounds you have to lose in like generally, I mean, sure. not really, but yep. just to do the math. Yep. And we really want to keep this simple, like get in your carbohydrates before, get in your carbohydrates after one-to-one with protein. So I'd say 40 grams of protein, 40 grams or so of carbohydrates. And then I don't, you know, I, I'm like, did we say pick a lane? I kind of feel like, yes. Like if you move into a performance goal, this is different than a fat loss goal, even though within the, in the course of a fat loss goal, we learned here today, you must fuel around those workouts for performance. I think that's a takeaway.
1: Yeah, right. And it is. And I think that needs to be in the sense that the body's just really, really going to fight back at you if you really try to push a performance outcome alongside of a fat loss outcome. Yeah. So, so I think picking a lane, you know, and and that's where I tried to spend some time for the people that just really don't want to have to, they don't want to pick, you know, Then if that's the case, then get a little bit more dialed into your daily carbohydrate needs, what you think your carbohydrate needs are for your workout and center those carbs around that workout. Um, So that way you're providing the fuel, that fuel is going to get burned up during the workout. It's going to have negligible impact on your, on your body composition or fat loss changes, and you're going to feel good during your workouts. And you're going to want to keep doing those workouts and keep pushing and kind of achieving, you know, higher and higher
0: ability, right? Now don't misunderstand we didn't say you don't need carbohydrates after your workout. If you have a low carbohydrate intake need with a fat loss goal, I think carbohydrates are great after your workout. It just doesn't have to be ignition. It could be a couple of rice cakes. It could be a banana. It could be something it doesn't have to be a supplement that's difficult for you to to process and metabolize. Um but I think this also is to me there's some gray areas and there's some flexibility and we need to just take responsibility for our goals here and and you know uh keep it simple and try to implement some of these things so okay thank you so much for your time you obviously got a lot of comments and encouragement for you know everything you've presented here today so thank you guys don't forget to follow dr chad who will never post on Instagram, but we're still trying to get his his audience up. We'll see you soon. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, hope thank so. you so much. Have Take, a care
1: day. Take care. Time. Yeah, we'll talk soon. See you okay. later. Yeah. Bye-bye.